0: You're listening to, Whoa. oh, hot luck, hot
1: Hey guys, welcome to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on career, family, relationships, and culture. I'm your host, Minji Chang. I'm an actor, producer, and entrepreneur, and I'm here to share inspiring stories and to walk through everyday life with you. Thank you so much for tuning in for this week's episode, episode 138, Fighting Invisibility and Speaking Up with Brian Pham and Maggie Chu from the Asian Hustle Network. I'm very excited for this conversation to share it with all of you, but before we get into that, just want to do a really quick check-in. You good? You doing okay? I hope you're staying safe and healthy. Um, we are still in the middle of a, a panorama and uh, vaccines. Am I right? Oh, I'm just sitting here waiting for mine. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to continue to make space uh, for, for all of you to check in. I really appreciate all the different conversations and the different content creators acknowledging it because this, we're still, it's still not normal. And who knows what the normal will be going forward. But um, for any of you that are going through a tough moment, I love you. Sending you big hug. Big hug. Mm-hmm. And uh, wishing you guys the best. And also sending out a reminder, you know, because we're, this is still what it is um, with the pandemic and new variants and all that stuff. Please remain vigilant. Wear your masks. Uh, double masking is a thing. I've been doing that. It's actually not that bad. And uh, social distance got to stay on the quarantine and isolation game. I know it sucks. I miss hugs and friends and trips and all that stuff too. Um, and stayogenic. That's just a regular life thing, you know, and, uh, stay strong. So keep an eye on your physical, mental, emotional health. Cause it's a tough time still. And, you know, we got to just do everything we can to be there for each other. So, yeah. So now that we got the check-in out of the way, back to the intro. I'm really, again, excited to have Brian and Maggie on this podcast. I'm a fan of their work. I am a member of the Asian Hustle Network. And it's just incredible what these two have done in creating a space and a network and a community for Asian American business owners and entrepreneurs and leaders. Um, It started at zero back in November of 2019. It's grown to over 70,000 members since then, just like just over a year, which is incredible. And, um, yeah, this conversation is to highlight their work, their who they are as people, why they started this and honestly the timeliness of it is very, you know, significant given the fact that it is a really tough time right now for the Asian American community. There's a lot of horrible things that have been happening for the last year, honestly for generations, but like really the surge has happened since COVID started and there's been a lot of anti-Asian hate crimes happening. Um but in the last few weeks it's been particularly horrible because there have been these targeted attacks on the elderly, which is so mind numbingly painful and infuriating and heartbreaking for me to like watch and fathom and fear for my parents, my grandparents, and all my friends, like everybody, you know, just like for people. Um, And so because you know, the Asian American community has this long standing stereotype that has proven to be true in a lot of ways of being quiet about a lot of our issues or not getting kind of the same uh, media attention or the same resources uh, allocated to us or um, getting the same kind of solidarity or and all the layers that go behind that of why uh, in terms of the race conversation why it has been the way that it is there's a lot to unpack and so i'm very grateful that brian and Maggie. Uh, you know, share space with me here. And first of all, to start talking about that. And uh, as we go into that, I just want to do a disclaimer. You know, we're we recorded this at a certain point in time. There are things that have uh, happened before and there are things that unfolded after we recorded this conversation. So please take everything with a grain of salt and with an open mind and open heart. You know, we're not experts. We're not the we're not the people nor is any person out there the one with like the answer. Uh, we're just three individuals who are doing the very best we can to address the situation to our best of abilities, you know, given everything that's happening in the world and in our personal lives. And so, uh yeah, there's and we'll go into that. You guys will understand the different reasons why people may feel hesitant or scared to speak up. And that's real too. So, you know That's kind of just a reflection on this larger conversation, why certain people engage and why some people stay away from it, why there's certain kinds of anger out there. You know, we don't have all the answers, but um, it's important that we talk about it. So keep that in mind for yourself too. I just I just know from personal conversations, there's a lot of different opinions and feelings towards what's happening. And there's a lot of judgment out there, too. I mean, given the age of cancel culture and social media, there's a lot of reasons why people um, feel scared to even speak up later. I felt that, too. Um, And everyone's processing it in their own way. You know what I mean? Like, that's really the takeaway, guys. We're processing um, at our own ability and capacity, and we're doing the best that we can and I think the big, the other takeaway that I hope to put out there and encourage everybody is that the doing is what matters a lot right now. So um, we got to do things. We got to speak up. We got to make change how we can. And there's a lot of different ways to do that. That action can take so many different forms. But um, talking about it is one thing, uh, sharing resources, donating, uh, reaching out checking on people, creating uh, volunteer opportunities, all these things, uh, holding our powers accountable. That's also another thing. There's just a lot of ways. So keep that in mind. um, And I encourage you and I welcome and invite anybody who's not Asian listening to this. Thank you. Thank you for uh, being an ally, for having interest, for learning something new and for, you know, just making space for a, an experience that may not be yours or personal to you, but it's just a human experience. And that for the Asian American community, will take that in stride and continue to be better ourselves and show up for others as we have been and as we can improve on doing from here on out. Okay. So that's my spiel as a intro to this conversation. And also just want to again, shout out to Brian and Maggie, a little bit of background on them is that they are the co-founders of the Asian Hustle Network, which was started in 2019. And Brian Pham, he has a background in real estate. So he's also the founder of Crushing It in real estate, also the founder of Hate is a Virus. And he's a venture partner at the Outlier Fund. So now that he's doing Asian Hustle Network full time, he's left his uh, real estate universe to the side, but he's also very active in uh, the entrepreneur universe. He's the director of strategic partnerships at Startup Grind Berkeley. So definitely involved in the ecosystem of VCs, angel investors, and aspiring entrepreneurs. And Maggie Chu, who is fabulous and has amazing background in interior design. She's the co-founder and COO of Asian Hustle Network, and uh, she has been featured in the LA Times and Voyage LA and Neck Shark and CGTV, as has Brian. And uh, Brian's also been in Bloomberg Business uh, Bloomberg and Business Insider. So uh, Brian, I got questions for you. We, we got to talk. Um, but the two of them have done such an amazing job and uh, just really honored that they took the time to be here. And I also had the honor of being on the Asian Hustle Network podcast. So I believe that was episode eight, which I'm very glad about because that's a lucky number. Also, Happy Lunar New Year. And so check that out if you are so inspired to. It's a really great conversation I had with them then. And also just a heads up that we are going to be sharing some resources, so stay tuned to the end of this episode because we want to share resources on where to go to take action and where to contribute to, where to learn more, because that's all of us. We're all learning more. And also a new segment with, first of all, that I wanted to to, uh, plug is that I wanted to have more opportunities to share my friend's work. Because I have amazing, talented friends in my universe, and I've done that a bit in the past episodes with First of All, but I want to make it a more uh, specific and intentional thing starting now. So this episode, we're going to have it close out with music by Year of the Ox. It's called Captain America, and it was written and created during 2020, which was, you know, y'all know it was a tough year, and it's a very timely um, piece just in terms of what they, what they share in their arts and also perfectly aligned because we are now in the year of the ox so shout out on all accounts (laughs) so stay tuned to the very end um enjoy the music and stay tuned for more amazing music that has been shared shout out to all the other artists that have let me feature their music here on first of all so that's it for the intro i love all you guys thanks for sticking with me and i hope you enjoy this episode 138 fighting invisibility and speaking up with brian and maggie from asian hustle network enjoy
0: Mm, yeah Came in 88 with a dream, also bright eyed. They knew right away, sick of swim, there's no lifelines. Life Cutting their teeth on the move. Nobody's
1: Hi, Brian soup. and Maggie. Hello, All my dears. How are you guys doing? Well, we are good. We're happy to be on.
0: Happy Year's. Happy Year's. years. <laughs>
1: happy yeah. Years. What a day. I didn't even realize this when we were in the scheduling. And what a day to be recording this coming. Happy Year of the Ox.
2: Yes, yes. Wishing you happiness and prosperity and good health.
1: Indeed, indeed. Are you guys big Lunar New Year celebrators?
0: We just ate dim sum just now. That was awesome. Oh my god, I'm so jealous.
2: I usually am big on celebrating Lunar New Year's with my family, but I like literally haven't seen them in so long because they're just like, Stay back, I can't trust you.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, my my mom asked me, like, can you come visit me soon? I was like, "Mm -hmm, (laughs) Mm-hmm. Red the tail <laughs> where do y'all's family uh live
0: my lives in la uh temple city arcadia
1: nice
2: and my family well, i have two sisters as well so they're kind of like scattered around the bay area and then my parents are in san francisco
1: got it got it oh and they're up in the city Ah, oh, makes me miss sidebar this is totally random but like i've been researching and hearing a lot about how everybody's leaving the bay and california in general like we're not we're an expensive place to live guys so
0: back. they always come back
1: <laughs> <laughs> are you guys di- ride or dies you guys are ride or dies for sure
0: uh we, we also thought about it too but the end goal it's like we're still gonna raise our family in california yeah
1: yeah we talk about all, all the time it's like
2: even if like our kids grow up in like outside of California they'll find their way back to either the east coast or the west coast. Yeah.
1: For sure. I mean, it, it's home, you know. You yeah. can't yeah. But I personally like well, I'll date myself. I am year of the ox, so this is my year. I don't know if that's like a it that means my this year's going to be more challenging or wh- more prosperous for me. Um I have a feeling it's because like it's going to be harder, Minji. But
0: no, it's going to be a, a prospering year for you.
2: Yeah, okay. and even if it will be harder, it'll make you stronger.
0: Dope. I love I'm it. Like... Well, I'll make it be prosperous. Be...
1: <laughs> it was like twenty twenty was enough. Come on, man. Um, I know. But like, I've been definitely looking at my finances and my career trajectory, which I would love to, you know, I'm so excited to talk about all of that stuff with you and just kind of like priorities and what everything means and matters in this day and age, right? Um, With the hustle that I've been on and the things I want to do. And part of that has been like entertaining the idea of leaving California, even if it's for like a year or two, yeah, because it is mad expensive and then like just entering that chapter of my life about really like every dollar counts and if I want to be serious about having XYZ lifestyle or like literally for me even like healthcare I have to be like really spreadsheet about it you know and as much as I love California I'm like maybe that's gotta gotta put a pin in that for a second
0: I don't know we think about the same things as well it's like you know We're at a weird age, right? Because we want the nicer things, Mm -hmm. like nice neighborhoods, the big houses, but we still want to hustle. We want to hustle really hard. And the income that comes from hustling on your own is like never really consistent. (laughs) So, how do you have that bigger risk?
1: you know (laughs) yes 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 this is very much uh, the conversation about hustling and and I honestly like it's funny when I look back on my old career trajectory which was a lot safer and more stable Mm quote-unquote there still were risks involved it just I wasn't aware of them and I just perceived them differently I don't know that's how I'm looking at it when I look back then it's all like so certain quote-unquote but was it really
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah That's totally true. I feel the same. I think we both feel the same way too. Now that you know, we both left our nine to five, and we're just working on AHN full time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like I want to. Okay, so can we? You know, getting everybody up to speed because there's going to be a lot of different um, audience You know, listeners who have some familiarity with AHN. Um, I still don't even fully know the whole origin story. I feel like I've gotten pieces of it from, like, hearing you guys talk and, like, from our conversations and just, you know, following your social media. But I would love to, like, get on the same page for everyone of, like, what was the origin story of Asian Hustle Network and your guys, like... You know, this is the interviewee part of this, but get us up to speed, will you?
2: Yeah, I yeah, I didn't know that you didn't you didn't know the origin. I think a lot of people don't know the origin until they actually ask us the question. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really started in like 2019 when Brian and I went to Tokyo. And so, if you've ever been to Tokyo, you know that there's like a bunch of temples everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. And we went to this one called Meiji Shrine um, in Tokyo, and when you walk in, you can see like everyone writing down their little wishes on wooden tablets and then they'll hang them on like trees and stuff. So it'll go from anywhere from like, I wish my mom will get better or I wish I can get into the school or I wish I can pursue my dreams and goals, just like anything of their you know aspirations and stuff like that. So, we really took that concept because everyone has their own story, right? Everyone has their own wishes and dreams. But Mm -hmm. a lot of times, especially in Asian culture, like we don't know who to tell that to, right? So, we go to the temple, we go to church, or, you know, we tell ourselves, you know, or to speak to God about it, you know, like, but it's very hard for us to talk to other people about it. And so, I think, you know, we really liked this idea and we realized that every person has a story that's unique to them. So that was part of the, the inspiration for the first part. And then about maybe like six months later, we were going to a lot of like real estate conferences. So you might know that Brian came from a real estate background and mm-hmm. i was also doing interior design for a little bit. So we were going to like a ton of these meetups. But we would always see the same thing over and over again. These, these were like in-person events. This was before COVID, obviously. Huh. And yeah, I know, right? In-person events. I can't even imagine. <laughs> um, and there would always be like a panel of speakers, but no one was of Asian descent. And these people were like big time, like real estate developers and investors in Berkeley, California, And they own like 90% of Berkeley. And it was like the same thing over and over again. Like we would always go to meetups, but no one would be Asian on the panel. And we just thought like, the Bay area is so diverse, you know, like why is this even happening? And there's just just so many Asians in the Bay area. And we never really saw Asians just up on the panel speaking for the community or to the community. So we went home and we tried to look up some online community for Asian entrepreneurs and professionals. But they were often like really exclusive. It was like hard to find. There wasn't really one hub for Asian entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. So let's look on Facebook because we realized that Facebook groups was a thing. And Brian had like a bunch of real estate friends who started Facebook groups as well. But they were tiny. They were like 200 people, 300 people. And we're like, okay, let's start a Facebook group and name it like Asian something and put the word network in it, right? And we're thinking, like, what should we name it? Should, it? should it be, like, Asian Professional Network or Entrepreneur Network? And, like, Brian has all these posters of the word hustle in on his wall. It's so true. He, he, it was like, <laughs> he was, like, I love the word hustle. Like, let's use the word hustle. And, like, initially, I was just, like, mm, I'm, I'm not sure about the word hustle, right? It because, sounds like
0: I'm getting hustled. Yeah. So yeah.
2: a lot of people say, like, oh, that person hustled me, right? Yeah. And... We really thought about it for a little bit. We were just like, okay, let's go with it. Let's do Asian hustle. Um, initially, we were just going to do Asian hustle. But if you look on like Instagram, I think that if you type in Asian hustle, it'll lead you to a page with like Asian girls and bikinis and stuff like that. <laughs> so we're like, okay, let's let's add a word onto it. Let's, let's slap on the word <laughs> network. And we named it Asian Hustle Network. So we started, you know, posting s- stories about like our entrepreneurial journey and like even like stories about our parents immigrating here. And a lot of people resonate with the word hustle because their parents hustled, you know, Mm -hmm. their, um, their homeland to America or wherever they immigrated to. And they put in so much blood, sweat and tears into their work. It's not that they had a choice to like, you know, go into like restaurant business or maybe own a laundromat or whatever. Like they had to do that so that they could provide a future for their children. And they really hustled their way to provide that future for them. So, just sharing those stories, a lot of people wanted to share their stories as well. And then, in the first three days, we got to a thousand members. So we we're like, okay, we're on a roll here. Like, this is growing pretty fast because Brian invited his friends. It was like no more than a thousand. I mm-hmm. invited my Facebook friends. It was like no more than five hundred. So combined, we were like, okay, you know what? Fifteen hundred people. The, that's probably no one's going to see it anyway. Like, I don't think anyone's going to see it. You know, well, let's just do it. And then now over like a year, it's, it's gained up to like 70,000 numbers just on Facebook though. So we're on like different platforms, like clubhouse and everything like that. So combined, it's like a hundred thousand
1: now. And it's only been a year.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's only been a year.
1: Well, it was like the longest year of all of eternity, but yes, no, (laughs) but still, I mean, and, and through honestly a very important time where people needed that kind of support and camaraderie and resources. I mean, what a time. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have like the date commemorated? Is there something to signify when you made that, that first, when you created the group, is that something you guys celebrate? Just I'm, I'm very big on like commemorating things and milestones. So I'm just curious.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We commemorate on November 8th, 2019. Oh, love it. Yeah. When we had our like one year anniversary, we are just like, dang, I can't believe it's been a year already it feels like so short and so long at the same time, you know, because we had no idea that COVID was going to happen and and it kind of like, just kind of derailed like what we imagined for the, for the Asian community in a way. But I think that it came at a really good time because people were looking for a community to turn to, you know, I think a lot of people were trying to like look into their cultural heritage and like learn more about Asian culture uh, after COVID happened. So I think it was very much needed during that time.
1: Absolutely. You guys were. I think you were channeling into some, I'm very woo woo by the way, which you you guys have an inkling of, but I I really think that um, there, there are certain kind of like energetic forces at play. And the thing is you guys had been hustling. It was part of something that was already part of your guys' fabric as you, you Brian and you Maggie. Right. So it's not something that was just like there, but you were, it was like the right place, right time kind of thing where, you know, it was the intentions and the opportunity and all of that, the timing was working in your favor. And I'm glad that you guys took that, took did the things, like clicked on all the, the things and typed in the things and published the things to make this happen. Because it's funny when you're making any kind of business or you're creating a career or who, your own identity, it's just a series of tiny little actions, right? But those actions all together can be something really tremendous. And I just think that... I don't know, whatever, whatever was driving you to do all those little motions to bring us here where you guys are hundred thousand strong. And these are actual individuals who really benefit off of that community and the platform for they where they can share their successes and their stories. Like I've read so many great stories in being part of that Facebook group that really honestly on days that I felt like, what am I doing with my life? Can I even make it at, you know, all the standard cliche, cliche but very real questions. Uh-huh. It honestly gave me a lot of oomph and boost and like reminder, like, yeah, this is a marathon. This is not a sprint. Other people are out there on the grind too. You can do it. So yeah. I'm just so saying is thank you. And cool. Congratulations. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah. Thank you for even like recognizing that because you are absolutely correct. Like, the, those little things that we had to do, they, I think they really mattered in the sense that like, when people join the community and they share their stories, the one thing that people want to be is heard, right? You don't Mm -hmm. want to be super vulnerable and share your story, knowing the fact that like no one even like paid attention, right? Because it takes a lot of courage and vulnerability to actually like share your, your story, you know, and so we wanted to make sure everyone felt welcome. So like just addressing people by their first name and telling them like, hey, thank you for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. I love that you did this and that. And I'm so glad that you persevered. You know, that makes them feel very welcomed. And-, and on
0: top of that, like we we take the time to read everyone's story.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think
0: that when we actually meet them in person, we may not recognize their face or voice immediately. But when they state their name, we know exactly who they are. We bring up a piece of their story and we see the biggest smile on their face.
2: Yeah. we like, oh, you're the person who did this. Yeah, right? because yeah. we read
0: everything. And it sounds insane because now that... I think we're at 2 million likes, posts, and comments. Yeah. Since so you guys read that much over the last year, it's like, ooh, you're at 2 million likes, posts, and comments?
1: <laughs> that says a lot. like, Again, the, the these little things, which I think everybody, as we mature and get older and, like, gain more life experience, understand and gain wisdom on is, like, those little things are the things that make all the difference, right? Those little things are huge. That It's the care that somebody puts into anything right Uh, into the thing that you're making or the people that you're around this and I feel so terrible because I've become a huge name forgetter mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um and it's I think an extension of me like burning out so many times and I'm really working on rectifying that but it broke my heart because I would recognize faces because I'd be at a lot of live events too I mean definitely out in the Asian community and not even just in LA you know I'd be traveling all over North America to like be there in the collaboration cities that we're at and see the volunteers and meet the performers so uh-huh. I remember a lot of faces and I would remember stories but I wouldn't remember names so I felt like such an asshole because (laughs) they would remember me you know and I would look at them be like hey and I'm I knew like I know you I've talked with you you're awesome but I was like what is your name so the fact that you guys read and remember that i just I, you know especially for me personally i think that's so wonderful and please teach me your tricks of how do you remember people's names because it's like beyond me right now
0: yeah i think i picked that up from real estate because
1: um,
0: i was reading a book in the books like the person's the most the most important thing to a person is their name <sighs> yeah you know? It's true. And then when this, I remember that, I'm like, I need to remember everyone's names. And nowadays, it's a huge challenge. It's like 100,000 plus really? members. <laughs> exactly.
1: Like, exactly. Well, I'm also, do you guys know who Jim Quick is? He's yeah. like the, yeah, He, I met him through collab and um, he became somewhat of a friend. And like, just like knowing how his brain works, I was like, Jim, I need to study everything <laughs> you've ever taught. Because I agree with you, Brian. Thank you for reminding me of that. And I will make that since we're on New Year's. <laughs> <laughs> like year of the ox intention is do the work to remember people's names. Okay. That would be an yeah. intention. Yeah. Well, how did like, I'm curious. So I, I don't know. So I get the origin story and how you guys are inspired, which is dope. So both of you were like, you were in the real estate and interior design universe doing that to make a living, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like a hardcore. And when did the transition out of that happen? Like what, what, and now you're doing H and full time.
0: Yes, yeah. that's right.
1: What, how? Because it's like that's oh. such a big question of a lot of the fellow aspiring hustlers and current hustlers out there. Like, how did that happen? How do you go from like making the passion project or the the dream gig like a sustainable thing? When when and how did that happen?
0: Yeah, uh, it wasn't an easy process. I think that halfway through. AU Chen, like like halfway through last year, we realized that if we don't come up with a business plan, none of this would be sustainable anymore. Mm. And with that realization, it sort of sucked because you know we wanted to do this, you know, for free and, and we wanted to give back to the community. But at the same time, it's like if our team is not quote unquote fed, there's no way that this can continue on. So we started talking to people within our own community. Asking, asking them about business models, asking them about venture capital, asking them about uh, corporate structure. And when mm. we realized that there is something that we can do with this that matches, um, quote unquote, the, the venture capital model, like we went for it. You know, we brought in advisors who built companies, who built tech companies because we were positioning ourselves to become more of a tech company, ironically, right? Mm-hmm. Our, our mission statement will stay the same. Like except now that it can actually grow even bigger. Yeah. We had we had um we had two choices. We had a choice to become a non profit, we had a choice to become for profit. And a lot of people like, isn't your mission statement more of a non profit? But in my own personal belief, I feel like nonprofits for the Asian community doesn't quite work. Because mm-hmm. I think one thing is like it's really hard for us culturally to ask for money. <laughs> and that's how you little yeah another thing is it's hard for us culturally to give money and, and <laughs> yeah. so the only way is to build a capitalistic company in order to stay sustainable
1: <laughs> you go within the culture. this is this is an apt observation and analysis of our of our <laughs> culture in order to yes make a sound argument and decision for your business i am yeah. learning and I support this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I we like, hot take but. It's definitely my own opinions and my own observations, but we want to be here forever. You know, That's awesome. forever. we want to be here for at least two, three, two to three generations until we're not needed anymore because we're so mainstream. You know? I
1: think, and I like for me, for me on the, the advocacy side for inclusion and diversity for entertainment representation, right? Like, I think we fast... I mean, it took a long time, right? It's like decades of this kind of gearing up to this moment where suddenly diversity and inclusion is so the hot trend and the most relevant conversation in Hollywood, right? But even then, it's funny because you think like in certain ways, oh, we've reached a certain success level of like, okay, there's so many more Asians in media and visible, but like this is what I'm learning in my hustle, in my entrepreneur life. Like, How do you define done? right? Like, how do you know, what are your KPIs? How do you know that you've reached your destination? And that's, that's, I think a big question that a lot of anybody who's creating something um, is going to ask, because I think the creating of it is the fun part personally, for me, like making stuff is really fun, but like having to reach for, for me personally, like having to reach a certain quota or having to have a certain output or outcome can, can intimidate the crap out of me. It can kind of, Mm -hmm. Make me overwhelmed, or get into that imposter syndrome place, or that self doubt, or overthinking. You know, mode where suddenly I'm not performing well because it's not about the creating; it's about achieving X, Y, or Z. Which I think is very, like, universally kind of truly stereotypical and true of like a lot of Asian American attitudes. Right? We're very results driven. You gotta get the A. You gotta be perfect. You gotta, you know reach a million dollar whatever that goal is right mm-hmm. um so i'm curious like i mean cuz when you guys were you're coming up with Asian hustle network you're really trying to establish a community right and a network and right. what was the how did the mission can you like reiterate what the mission statement is and then like how how did that even like get established and like baked into what you're doing
2: yeah yeah so our mission is to empower and uplift asian entrepreneurs and professionals globally so there are a couple things that we want to do, right? The first is to put more Asians into mainstream media. So we're doing a lot of like content creation and creating a lot of videos of like just featuring Asian entrepreneurs and, and just like their journey and going into their businesses and just kind of recording everything that they do on a daily basis, just the hustle and grind that they put into their everyday work. And then our other two goals is to make sure that Asians are... Able to go higher in the investment and corporate ladders. I think that mm. one of the main reasons why Asian people become entrepreneurs is because they don't get treated right in the labor market. Right, a mm. lot of Asians they feel like there's a glass ceiling or a bamboo ceiling, as we put it, and there's just really little opportunity for us to you know get promoted to higher level management positions. And like I see that every day too. Like I when I was working in my tech job back then, like I always felt like. I didn't have a voice. And it was always like, especially in tech, it's always like full of like white male, you know, who really dominate the, the, the culture inside the workplace. And we really wanted to tackle that problem. And so, you know, just reaching out to people who could, you know, really help us um, really just, you know, accomplish that mission and creating this community, this space for us to like, you know, offer help when we can and get help when we can. And it's just Mm -hmm. so inspiring just seeing people, like, share resources and tips and guides on, like, how we can make sure that we do increase our representation in media and how we can make sure that we, you know, increase our representation in, like, the corporate world and the investment world as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No small feat. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I'm, like, I'm I'm reevaluating my whole life right now. because (laughs) I mean, I'll say for, like, I worked in the nonprofit sphere. So, Brian, when you're talking about, like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the nonprofit uh, observations. Yeah, I hit the nail on that head. Um and and just <laughs> trying to convince so many different folks whether it was our own community of why representation matters because that was surprisingly something I had to talk about within the community a lot because again, as we're like advocating for more representation there are a lot of asian americans who are like i don't get why this matters mm-hmm. some of them were kind of hostile about it they're like why do you guys care? what is well, who cares right mm-hmm. and some people were genuinely like perplexed they're like why does why does this matter like why why are you guys making this your thing yeah. um because it it wasn't as clear and it wasn't as concrete about like what having people that look like you and know your story and represent you and may have you feel like you're seen and that you count and that you matter can do to somebody's like psyche and their confidence and their ability to gain resources, their relevance, like all of those things weren't very clear. right? And we were trying to convince people of that also while convincing big companies to like sponsor us in our events you know, even though like at the time it was a lot of live events and social media was like a lot less, mm-hmm. we were still bringing out thousands of people, you know, but I, you know, I won't name company names, but we would always just get like some, you know, uh, polite, but some, it's just like, well, we're not, we're not really doing much for a multicultural right now, mm-hmm. you know, and that's why we'd fall into that category. And then through a lot of different conversations and like you know, like behind the scenes talks with friends who are also trying to fundraise or um, we're talking maybe even to the same company or the same agencies. We find out like how bottom of the barrel we were in terms of relevance, even in the multicultural space, right? Like the main audience was white America. And then secondary is like multicultural and even in that at the top of the totem pole when you're talking about diversity it was about the black community Mm -hmm. after that it's like you have you have black latina latinx you have women you have lgbtq and it's a mix of those right and then way at the bottom was asians and like we'd get crumbs if that right and usually there's a lot of no's so i got very used to getting dismissed in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. um And that, I don't know, part of me, I got really angry at times. I don't know how you guys have felt about it. It's a mix of emotions of, like, feeling very, like, unimportant, irrelevant, getting pissed, getting defensive, getting bitter. Like, it's run the whole gamut. So I don't know how that's been for you guys, like, working in real estate and interior design. But, like your own invisibility just gets to you, your yeah. own, like, insignificance, you know what I mean?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: Definitely. I, I definitely,
2: I, yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think, like, what you mentioned earlier to Minji, about how some people think, like, oh, why are we even doing this, right? It's not even going to do anything. There are actually some people who think that, like, like, even with for hn and just with, you know, after COVID, how we we're trying to really amplify voices, Asian voices um, due to like the racism and xenophobia. I think there are are a lot of people who can't see the reason why, you know, we have to do this because they think like, oh, what is the point of doing this and nothing is going to happen. We've we faced racism and xenophobia for centuries and look, nothing has really happened. Nothing has really changed. But if you really think about it, like there has been organizations and, you know, communities who have really spearheaded, um, you know, just like, changes and like trying to make changes in our in our system and they've been like that inspiration for us to continue that mission right mm-hmm. like, if we are continuing that mission to really fight against the system and you know just make sure that we're amplifying Asian voices and making sure that we raise awareness for these issues. It'll inspire the next generation to look at us and say like, hey, they set these foundations out. And, you know, they're really, they've really been an inspiration for us to continue that mission as well. And it'll keep going. And eventually we will get better. Maybe not in this generation where we will see like noticeable changes, but we will get better generation after generation. Because I feel like if we don't do anything at all and no one speaks up for us, we're just going to go downhill, you know, after our right. generation. And it's hard for us to see that because we don't see changes, you know, overnight. But there are changes like after maybe like generations and generations. So I feel like the reason why we have to do this is so that we can set that foundation for later generations as well.
0: Yeah, and we realize that for our community, it's really hard for us to speak up in general. Mm-hmm. And we want to enable everyone to make a difference. If you're shy, like let us speak for you. You know, if you're shy, let us, let us be your voice. If you're outspoken, let us push you. Let us empower you. Let us lift you up. You know, so we want to be this win-win platform that stands up for our community because there is a lot of bullshit that happens right now, you know? Mm-hmm. And we need to speak up. that's the only way we can make a difference.
1: 100%. I mean, I, I was tempted to start this whole podcast by talking about this big cloud that we've been all, you know, under. Uh, for the last year, um, but more intensely in the last few weeks. Right. And it's kind of like, I I did still see this like connection, even us being able to talk about our journeys as like our origin stories or why we transitioned out of like, you know, a safe and secure industry, supposedly Mm -hmm. into chasing something a little bit more unstable or being a little bit more audacious. I feel like that narrative still is, it's baked into this bigger issue that we're facing right now, which is being part of this white supremacist society. Yeah. Um, That is again, like we've had more time and reflection points to like, to analyze it Mm -hmm. um, because I I have lots of different kinds of friends and I just don't feel like all kinds of racism are malicious, Mm -hmm. but it's still there, right? And like the way that I've justified or rationalized certain kinds of behavior, the way that I got mad at my own self and dealt with guilt and said it was my own fault for not having not defended myself or X, Y, Z, you know, like for having stayed quiet and been the stereotype. There's a lot to unpack, right? So I didn't want to go right into that right out the gate because I still think that like You know, you guys, who you guys are and what you guys have been doing for the Asian community through Asian Hustle Network, you know, is still very much part of this conversation because y'all were just in Clubhouse talking about this, you know, this bigger thing that feels so daunting. And so for me, at least like so heavy on my heart Mm -hmm. that I'm having a hard time vocalizing like speaking out on it which feels weird for me because i i can vocalize myself on like the smallest of things Uh for like hours and there's one big thing that i feel a need desire and responsibility to speak on i feel stifled personally
0: Mm -hmm. yeah because it's it's so sensitive and Mm -hmm. a lot of different things that to be frank is wrong with our community you know it highlights how fragmented we are how inexperienced we are and and that's okay you know because i think that if the only way to address things is to realize that we do have an issue and we do have an issue in there when, when in our own community you know because awareness yeah. is key to change if we're not never aware if this never forces us to look within ourselves and our community we're never going to progress forward and history is going to repeat itself with our kids generation and their kids generation so i think that it's a to play out the positives. I think it's a good thing that it's forcing us to think think deep right now and think about yeah. our community.
2: Mhm. Yeah. I absolutely agree with you, Minji. Like I even for for myself, like I don't I don't want to speak for Brian because I know he's been like, you know, speaking and spearheading a lot of these conversations on Clubhouse, but it is it is it gets really emotional for me to talk about sometimes too because I see these incidents happening everywhere around us, even, you know, in my own hometown in San Francisco, you know, my Mm -hmm. parents are in San Francisco and I'm just like, I'm so fearful for them, you know, like every time they go out and they're calling me, I'm like, don't call me. Don't like, you know, show your phone out in the public or, you know, every time they go out, even like, last couple days they went out to go get their COVID vaccination and I was like are you home yet are you home yet (laughs) like I constantly were calling was calling them and making sure that they were home so that nothing happens to them and like you just you just never know right but At the same time, like, I don't want to be, like, sending them these videos so that they're living in fear. But at the same time, I think that they know, like, how bad it's gotten. Right. And of course, like, we have to circulate it within our own community and and make sure that we're reaching out to people of influence so that they can fulfill their civic duty and use their platform to make sure that they are raising awareness for these issues as well. Because, you know. If you have a large platform, you know, you can really use it for good social change. Just raising awareness. Maybe some people don't even know about it, right? I think a lot of Asians know about it. But, like, what about other communities? Other communities with influencers with really big social platforms? Like, they yeah. can also be helpful in helping, them, you know, mobilize these, um, these, these uh, changes as well.
0: Yeah, but I don't want to put all the pressure and burden on influencers because it's on all of us. Right. You know, mm-hmm. it's on mm-hmm. all of us to make a difference, you know. If we're not big influencers, we don't have a big platform, that's okay. Share the material, you know, share it to our group of friends, take that message and amplify it. You know, there's strength in numbers, you know? So there's a piece of duty that all of us can do in order to combat this. Even if you don't have a big platform, and it's on all of us, you know, it's not just on big influences, not just on, on one person, it's on a community. Yeah, I
2: think some people might think like, oh, I don't have a lot of followers. So, you know, like, it's not gonna make a difference, but it does, you know, like, some, someone might find it and, and, and they'll share on their platform. And the only way that we can do that is all of us has to participate in raising awareness for these issues
1: absolutely and i feel like uh, i feel like my uh, entry into this part of the conversation was a little bit vague so for anybody who's like a little bit lost in um what we're talking about specifically it's all the anti asian violence that has been happening the targeted especially on the elderly which is beyond like i don't know thank you to david so thank you to my boy david so for being like he's like my anger translator like i can be an angry little korean girl myself but uh david also knows how to articulate with the proper f-bomb placements um as, as needed but like you're tight ta- you're taking a confucian rooted uh, community culture that has the utmost respect and reverence even when we're like it's not even deserved but like on anybody who's older than you like there's there's there are a lot of community we're not the only ones right but it's a very very important facet of the asian the universally Asian culture is to revere and respect your elders. And the fact that elderly people are getting tackled out of nowhere and killed and that they're getting targeted for robberies and beaten like on sidewalks and getting like watching these has been disgustingly gut churning. It has yeah. broken my freaking heart. It has driven me to tears. It has made me angrier. I mean, not like I wouldn't be happy if this was happening to young people, but like it's like really yeah. it's a 84 year old grandpa, you know, yeah. like, I think, like,
2: the point that, like, makes my heart wrench the most is, like, the constant cycle of racism that we're currently, like, just stuck in, you know? And Mm -hmm. sometimes I see comments from people saying that that 84-year-old man deserved it. And that just, like, made me want to cry so bad because, it's like, how in the world does someone like that deserve something like that? You know, he didn't do anything to anyone
1: for what, existing like walking. Yeah. i don't know i and there's just like it's also part of this grander misinformation thing that has been rocking our whole globe really but especially in this country of like how people have been has been misinformed and like running with thinking that race you know like seeing an Asian person because they can't distinguish what ethnicity they are. They just equate them with COVID and blaming them and, and taking their anger and frustration and despair out on them violently. And it's again, this has been happening for the last year and hate crimes have been happening prior to this, you know, don't get us wrong, but it has escalated significantly. And that's the scary part that I think there's enough data to, to signify like these are targeted intentional race-related hate crimes Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. and
1: they need to be called that they need to be acknowledged as such and they need to be addressed as such because also i think that's the uh, this conundrum that we're in because Mm -hmm. like like brian you're saying and you we're all saying like asian americans have had a hard time speaking up in general when it comes to like good stuff too right we're like even when like we win the oscar we're like yeah i got it i didn't i didn't do it though it was my team like you know like in general having this this difficulty in like taking space right and even when wronged even the most heinous crime you're just like where's more of this the outrage right and i don't i don't doubt that we're feeling it you know i don't think we're like numb but it's like how do you break the barrier silence that is something that i personally have struggled with myself it's something that i've seen as like a an issue like organizationally even in collaboration where i'm dealing with like artists right i'm dealing with creative people um it's real it's very real it's like programming you know
0: right yeah absolutely
1: But um, I'm curious, like, the the good stuff that I do want to highlight that I think is, you know, there's all these heartbreaking issues, but there's a lot of solidarity that's been coming up too. And I do think that that is, like, something that I don't want to, like, let slide. I'm not going to, I refuse to kind of sit in just despair that these horrific things are happening. There are a lot of um, allies and lots of folks who have been very vocal about standing with the Asian community, which, like, is very heartening for me. I'm just like, Thank you guys. Thank you for speaking up. Like I just saw there was something with like China Mac and Mr. Fab, oh, which I don't know who China yeah. Mac is, but I'm learning um, mm-hmm. that they're promoting unity between the black and Asian communities. Cause that is a big part of this conversation and narrative that is uncomfortable to talk about and unpack even from there.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw that too. And I, I love seeing, you know, communities unite. I think that we need more of that. Um, you know, because we're not not going to get anywhere if we have different communities just, you know, having their own mission. I think that right now one of the biggest issues is, like, we have so many different communities that are driving their own missions, but for anyone who's just trying to, you know, follow, you know, other people's missions and communities, they don't know where to go, right, because there are just so many different ones, but we really do need, like, one one community to unite together so that we know where to go to. Right. That's something that we're missing right now.
0: Shout out to like other AAPI organizations, you know, shout Mm out to Max, shout out to Hate the Virus. Mm -hmm. Uh, I used to be a part of that with Tammy and Michelle Hanabusa. Mm -hmm. You know, they, there's a lot of internal planning and traffic coming to them. And, you know, the fact that they're handling the pressure really well for our Asian community Hats out to them, man. I don't know if I can, if Maggie and I can handle all that pressure ourselves.
1: Yeah, I'm curious, like how that's been going because it. it for one of the things I was learning as being a leader of an organization was how much I didn't know. Right, there was a lot of things that I I felt very passionate about and that I wanted to vocalize, and I did. And in the process of doing that occasionally got my butt handed to me because I would realize like I was kind of speaking out of turn about not recognizing all the work that had been done before me. And I think this is just a big learning moment for the Asian American community where maybe we're getting provoked in an intense enough way to like care in a way that we didn't before, because now something so important like our elderly and our own safety and our families, right. um, Are in jeopardy that we're seeing the tie between Allyship in terms of doing civic engagement, in terms of advocacy work, right, and speaking up and speaking out. And so, I don't know. I just love that we're we're making more of an effort with like all these clubhouse conversations, with podcasts, with um, YouTube videos, even, and just a lot of different, and even on Instagram, right? Like people putting stuff on their stories and whatnot, being more vocal and more like out there with. This is what we are dealing with. This is part of our history. What people are learning about, with you know. The L.A. riots, like that's a huge part of Asian American history, what created a lot of tension between the black and Asian community. Um, just and what even happened in the civil rights movement. Like, I'm still learning about a lot of all that. I don't know how you guys uh, did you guys take like an Asian American studies course or anything, because I never did.
0: Yeah. So I used to watch a lot of documentaries growing up.
1: Oh, nice.
0: And I never realized that one day I'd be drawing on those experiences.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. It feels like a history book, right? You're just yeah. like, oh. It's a resource. This isn't real life. You're like, yeah, it is.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I used to be uh, a history channel addict as a kid. Like I watched so much history channel and I was watching like the civil rights movement, all these things. And then I'm like, man, like I'm so glad we're past that era.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Good thing we didn't live then.
0: (laughs) I know. I feel like 2020 was like history Uh... over again.
1: For real. And I'm not trying to, like... I, I laugh because I'm trying not to cry. <laughs> just like, oh, my God.
0: Yeah. It's bad. Uh,
1: it is. I think... Well, it's a big wake-up call, right? Like, I think... I'm just... Even on like what happened last year with Black Lives Matter, uh, one of my previous episodes on First of All I was talking with my friend Sarah, who is a wonderful, amazing friend from high school. And she's white and she's blonde and beautiful. And like in my eyes, from what I do of her in high school, that she's like, you know, part of a different universe than me. Right. Um, but she's been hugely a big advocate for uh for Black Lives Matter and she's always like asked me about my work and like she's been an amazing ally and I was learning a lot through her about how to acknowledge privilege mm-hmm. and how to like unpack that and how to take responsibility where where and when you can again this is like the things that occupy my mind where I'm like I feel very small and I feel like a big weight and I'm like I'll deal with it but these are things that make me like not want to say anything because I was like I haven't figured this out yet I don't know where I fit into the grand scheme. But there's a cost to that, right? Like if I don't talk or I don't speak and I can help move the conversation along, then like, mm-hmm. what happens then?
0: Yeah, <sighs> I am a, a huge advocate of ignorance of bliss. <laughs> and I think that instead of being in analysis paralysis, you actually do better work and better, more positivity for the community by taking action and speaking up, you know? Mm-hmm. And you get called out and you get corrected um learn from it you know acknowledge it don't sweep it on the rug don't take it too personally just tell them i didn't know or i'm learning you know mm-hmm. that is proactive learning and that's the true quality like quality of a strong leader that we need right now
1: so true oh brian thank you for this pep talk into my soul have you have you like do you have you stumbled with that? I mean, it sounds like you're more okay with that now, but like, do you feel like that when you're in these conversations, either like privately or on a, a space like Clubhouse, which is like rapidly become like this space where everyone talks about this kind of stuff? Yeah. Um, do you feel that any sort of nervousness or how do you have you been called out? Like, how does that go for you? I think that for I mean, I'll be real. Like, I'm terrified of that. I'm so scared of saying the wrong thing. I think that's just the long and short of it.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's a very cultural thing, right? A lot of us feel that way. And a lot of us are conditioned to feel like, like we can't fail. Mm-hmm. You know? And when I got that out of my head and got the mission of this this whole reason why we're doing this into my head which is you know we want to stop this support support our community a part of me stopped stop caring as much of what people are going to say about me and uh-huh. what rebuttals are yeah i got called out before and i own up to every situation i'm like you're right let me spend let me connect with you offline let me spend time to learn more about it so i don't repeat the mistake you know uh-huh. and acknowledgement is key like acknowledge mm-hmm. that when you're wrong and when you say the wrong things Acknowledge that. Don't sweep under the rug. Don't blame people. Don't play. Don't play the victim. Own up to it, because when you come back next time, you talk about the right issues, you know, and the other person's there. They're gonna respect you even more for becoming the better person, becoming the bigger person, becoming a stronger leader. You know. Yeah. Don't be afraid to speak up because there's not enough voices right now, and if there is voices, like there, there needs to be even more. You know, like our community is that we trust the voices of one or two leaders. And when these leaders fall and they don't perform, we have to start all over again.
1: <laughs> yeah. you know,
0: So yeah. it's great to have like a shit ton of leaders instead of a couple of strong leaders, you right. know? So we don't right. continue going back to score one, which, which historically we always do.
1: True. Well, because it's like you're building a tower and so, like my brother actually gave me this interesting analogy, like you're building a tower versus building like a web, right? If you, if you build a tower and you knock one part of it, there's a more possibility for that tower to like all of it to depending where, but like it can tumble, right? Um I think it was a web. I might be totally messing up this metaphor. But it's just like, yeah, but like, you know, like there's there's it's less shakable, right? Like the more sturdy your foundation is, like you can't like one piece gets knocked. okay, then like that piece got knocked but still the rest of it standing. Right. And I think that's something that it it is worth saying out loud because I've done it and I have felt it, too, where I'm like, people will know that I'm a loud mouth about certain things. So I kind of felt it in certain rooms where um It was kind of like they're deferring to me, right? They're like, I don't want to talk, you say it, right? I've literally had to do that for a lot of situations. They're like, Minja, I don't want to say it, you say it. Like, I've had friends and colleagues and people say, like, you you say it. And if that is something that I can provide because I i'm not as scared of public speaking as a next person sidebar i i'm terrified of public speaking i don't know why clubhouse makes me so nervous i've been like shaking on that one the- oh i feel the
2: same way i get really nervous on it too
1: oh my god you guys like i hold a i host a podcast i was like why am i so nervous i know oh my gosh
2: i'm like fine on the podcast but like I don't know why. Like when I'm not even showing my face on
1: clubhouse, I get super nervous. Cause they're listening. <laughs> they're listening live. Uh, yeah. But it's like having worked through that and I'm like, okay, if everyone else doesn't want to speak, but I'm willing to speak, um, I will do that. And I'm, I'm grateful for the learning experience. I think I've become a better public speaker because of those that, that need to kind of rise to the occasion. I think that that's totally valuable, valid and valuable. But it's also, like, I want to challenge my, my f- brothers and sisters and everyone. Like, y'all talk. I'm tired.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same thing. It's also human nature as well. If you hear one person talk over and over, over time it becomes less effective. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. We need a lot of different people speaking up because it just brings back the emotion again. You know? Because mm-hmm. eventually you talk about the same issues over and over. You're, like, preaching to the choir. Right. Oh, here we go again. This guy again. You know, we can't have that. You know, we need more voices. And it It just comes down with culturally, like, we just need to, like, be more comfortable in our own skin. and just, just speaking up. And don't be afraid to, like, look stupid or whatever, you know? Impact is more important.
1: I think, yeah. Oh, I like that the impact is more important. That's actually... The the um, the why when people talk about even when okay so this I think it it doubles up because I see universality and everything um, okay. that it applies both to like advocacy work or standing up for your own community making a difference in like a way that really impacts. Your family, your friends, everyone around you, whether whether it's based on like race or whether they're gay or whether you know they're trans or whether they are disabled or whatever, like people, we need to stick up for each other, right? And right. having that why very solidly identified. In, as a human, and then also I say very much so as a as a hustler, as an entrepreneur, as somebody who's trying to build a career, a brand, a product, uh, you know, a legacy, an empire, whatever you know, whatever you're trying to make. That why and like your purpose, it helps you not shake. It helps you speak even when you are shaking, right? Like, oh, definitely, yeah because yep. it's more important. Oh, yeah, right?
2: yeah that, that that has helped me a lot with public speaking. I think like before I would get so nervous, just doing like in person public speaking as well, because I just focus on the audience. Mm. And then someone told me this really helpful tip that don't think about the audience, think about your message. And that has helped me tremendously. Like, as long as you think about your message think about what you're trying to get across to your audience but don't think about the audience itself just think about the message and
1: you'll you know you'll do you'll do fine
0: yeah Uh, that's a really good advice Maggie yeah yeah
1: Yeah, I like that I want to sit with that do you do you guys have like a, a story or a time where like you felt that that fear like to the max and then you and it, does, it doesn't have to be related to, like, the advocacy work that you're doing, even if it was in your interior design work or school. Like, did you have a moment where you're, like, really terrified or overwhelmed and then, like, you, you push through? Like, how did you get through, if you recall, um, how did you push through that moment, like, to break the barrier, whatever it yeah, was?
0: Uh, I think the best example is Asian Hustle Network. You know, Mm -hmm. prior to Asian Hustle Network, we're pretty pretty private people. Like most of our Instagram are private. Our Facebook was private. You know, no one can look at our our education or location or anything, you know. Mm -hmm. But when we realized that this was an opportunity for us to stand up for the community and do more and leave a legacy that all of us can benefit, we had to open up our Facebook. We had to add random people, you know, people looked up to us. And then seeing people comment on our pictures from like 10 to 12 years ago was the most uncomfortable feeling I've ever felt, you know, because now I feel Mm -hmm. like I'm being so looked at. I'm feeling like I'm being evaluated. Mm -hmm. But I had the mission in my mind that this is what I want to do with my life, you know, this is what I want to accomplish in my life. I started not caring as much and focusing what else can I do to benefit the community. And Slowly over time, it got into my head that I had nothing to hide. I had nothing to lose because mm. I've been this person that I know I am for the last five or six years. You know, the previous ten years, I can't say anything because I was alcoholic. <laughs> oh,
1: that's another episode. Of First of all. <laughs> Can we go up there?
0: I, was saying, I used to party a lot uh, yeah. like years ago, and I got into like self improvement reading, and I stopped doing all of that completely and mm. started focusing more and life developing community, developing relationships, developing business, you know? Yeah. And I guess the biggest fear was speaking at the the Asian Hustle Network events. My goodness, like when I hopped on stage, my heart was beating so fast, (laughs) literally that I couldn't even see anyone in front of me. There was like 500 people (laughs) in front of me. Yeah. Uh, oh crap! Okay, I'm gonna owl. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I would have been by your side, Brian, fanning you. I'd be like, "You got this. It's okay." <laughs> <laughs>
0: but when I I grabbed the mic and I knew that I had an opportunity to impact lives, I I just I blanked out. What I wrote like a like a a speech in a script that I wanted to say. I blanked the heck out. I can't remember what the heck I wrote. And now I'm like, all right, it's just me and the mic and the stage. And it all came from my heart. You know, when I spoke on stage, like it came from my heart because I fully believed in the mission that I was trying to do. And that mm-hmm. helped me overcome uh, a lot of things. It helped me overcome my fear, helped me overcome being visible to the community. You know, that was my, my turning point.
1: Ugh, love it. And bravo. I mean, I know it's like a way later, <laughs> pause, but that's, oh, yeah, he's, he's definitely come a long way with public
2: speaking. I think like even at the LA event, when we had 400 people come out and when he said that he was super nervous, even his mom came to me after. And he was like, she was like, oh yeah, he was definitely nervous.
1: <laughs> Aww.
2: Definitely tell. Uh, <laughs> But I think Clubhouse has helped a lot with public speaking.
1: But honestly, that's so. And ins- personally, I get I get moved more when I can see the vulnerability of a real person who has a little tremor in their voice or a little like you know a little a, a, a sign that they they may not be in their most comfortable place. But then they speak right. anyway. That's mad inspiring to right, me. Right. right. Than like somebody who there's nothing at stake. Right. Like they just do this all the time, and so therefore they don't think like, they're just like, well, you know, I'm breathing and I'm talking because it's yep. I don't care. Exactly. But yeah, I think I'm sure Ryan, you have inspired many by just living your life and like overcoming your own fears and like being truthful about that with yourself and with others that, that to me is much more inspiring than, you know, like, again, not much more. I think it's as inspiring as the fact that you guys have hit such great milestones and, and had such growth and like a hundred thousand people. Like that's all so incredible. But the personal thing about what you've overcome, that's freaking dope. I love it. Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you, yeah. Minji. Appreciate that.
1: Yeah. What about you, Maggie? You guys story for, for my, um, like biggest fear
2: is, you know, like after COVID and after, you know, all of these, racist attacks started to happen. I actually put out a video on our Asian Hustle Network Instagram a couple of days ago just to kind of address the issues that were happening. And we've been, you know, just reposting and posting um, uh, just like stand for the hashtag Stand for Asians and trying to raise awareness for the issues and just letting people know that we need to, you know, reach out to elected officials to for change mm-hmm. and that are donating to the GoFundMe links of the victims of these racist attacks and in light of that, I like, we received hate comments, just saying, like, you know, like I mentioned earlier, like, you know, that person deserved it, or, you know, um, Asians have been racist for centuries, blah, 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 And like, I think a part of me was like, a little bit scared, because I put my face on that video. And for a moment, mm. of time, I would have what if, what if this person finds me and like, you know, attacks me or attacks my family or something like that. Mm-hmm. A lot of people who have a big following who are voicing out about these issues, like just like news anchors, news reporters, right? Um, They also, you know, I'm sure it's very hard for them as well. And their face is just like on national television talking about these issues. I'm sure they're very fearful as well. You know, like people don't, some people don't like it when, you know, we raise these issues. And and I, I think that some people think that we might be, pro-Asian and anti-something else, but we're absolutely not. You know, I think it's yeah, yeah. clear that you can be pro-Asian without being anti-anything else. And this is not a conversation about being pro-Asian and anti-anything else. The mm-hmm. is that we need to be raising awareness, right? And I think that the most fearful thing for me was just, like, putting myself out there and, like, what if, you know, these people who don't agree with me, they find me in person and they want to, you know, just retaliate somehow, right? But I think that the way I, w- I was able to get over is that we, we have a platform for us to, you know, push for change, we have a platform to raise awareness. And if we don't do it, you know, it's just, I, I don't think that, you know, we'll be able to, to really just go into a place where we can see change, right? I think that we need as many voices as possible. And I think that if we have that voice, then we might as well use it. Um, I think that that's how I was able to get over it. You know, I I think as much as as much fear as I as I have, I think that we still need to do it. Um, And Mm -hmm. it needs to be done because we need to see change one way or another.
1: I love it. And I love that you stated, you know, what can be lost in the conversation, which is being pro Asian is not being anti anything else. Right. And I think the collective sentiment that everyone's feeling a lot of their versions of very valid anger, bitterness, resentment, rage, fear about is like we all want. I think the collective thing that we can rally behind is being Mm anti-racist. It doesn't erase, though, what has happened. And that's the other part that like, again, even I had a. A hard time vocalizing my thoughts and sentiments about the anti-Asian racism like the violence that was happening because I know that there are friends or like people in my universe that had never really spoken up on behalf of like the black community and they had never you know they, they've said horrible things I'm I know I've said horrific things as like a brainwashed little child and not to excuse my behavior but I know that like there are problematic versions of me when I was younger and a teenager mm-hmm. um, that was buying into like horrible things that I was taught that I have to unlearn and take responsibility for it's a lot to like look at that ugliness right and um to take responsibility when you yourself are also suffering and in pain it's hard like yeah and that's where i think the anger part where people are just lashing out at each other it was a vietnamese monk that i've referred many times on this podcast but there's a book called anger and um i I believe it's from there but he says that uh anger is pain on fire and like yeah It just like wrecked me because I was like, we're all so hurt and like, we all want to be seen and respected and honored and safe and, you know, left alone in a lot of ways. It's not even like I'm asking for people to praise and revere Asians. I'm saying like, please don't hurt my parents. For so right. the love of God, all they're doing is like cleaning people's clothes. Like they're trying to make a living. So, yeah. you know, and my mom's telling me to get married every day. Like she just wants grandkids. Like, <laughs> yeah, please leave her alone. And that's, you. You. <laughs> oh. and that's a whole other podcast episode there too. But
0: I can relate on that issue. Uh, my parents, are, oh, well, Maggie's different, right? Cause she's the youngest of her sisters. Just uh-huh. They have kids. But my parents, I'm one of the oldest in my family. The uh-huh. so the pressure's on me. It's like, come on, son. The pressure's
1: always been on all of us, Brian. <laughs> you know, uh, on all of
0: us. <laughs> you know isn't that expensive? I was like, oh, mom, that's not the point. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm hustling mom. And also, we live in California. Are you crazy. <laughs> come on, come on. Uh but yeah no I I just appreciate guys, the work that y'all are doing and and the 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 barriers that you you guys are breaking internally externally you know one thing at a time it's just all of that counts all of it counts and it's not always like visible right it's not always like for everyone to see and acknowledge i mean most of our lives is private right and the small fraction that ends up on some platform somewhere people take that and run with it and like judge everybody and like sum you up as a person based on like little
2: tidbits
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh oh dear i i want to i don't even know if this story is even that relevant well i'll share it anyway um my fear thing because i love what you guys have said i was really inspired by the fact that like Brian, you, like, doing this public speaking thing and being a leader in the community, like, taking... You're, like, the reluctant hero, right? Like, in the storytelling world. You didn't want to, like, get in the spotlight. You're like, hey, guys, look at me. Um, You're like, damn, do I have to talk in front of all these people? But you did it. That's incredible because your why was important and it was there and it helped you get through that. And and same for you, Maggie. It's like, that safety thing? That's... That is so, I'm sorry, but, uh, but it's not, and it's not to hate on men, but like women live in a different world where we have to be scared oh, yeah. of every damn thing. And uh, like, oh, I, I get very angry about that. <laughs> yes, yes. It feels so unfair, but that's so real. And so I really, I will protect you at all costs too, Maggie. Like I got your oh. back. We're not going to, no harm will befall you.
2: Oh, likewise, likewise. We got to put together. Yeah.
1: But it's, that's all very courageous and um, it takes a lot of bravery to show up for others, especially like your community, especially when they're hurting um, and scared. Mm-hmm. And I, I do 100% believe like what you guys are doing is making a difference. Um, My fear story that I had, I'll be as brief as possible because it's not as like, like um, community driven, but it's kind of the opposite, which is... I was so embedded in my role in collaboration, like being the leader for my team, being the leader for the Asian community in San Francisco because I was the Bay Area chapter executive director, Mm -hmm. um, showing up to represent the Bay in the national thing and like all this stuff. And then like being very vocal because I felt like being from the Bay Area, there was like a certain level of advocacy that's like built into the culture there Mm -hmm. that, um, I, I wanted to like bring to the national collaboration conversation that when I was doing acting class, I was like really wanting space for myself. So I wanted to kind of have a area for me to grow as a person and not feel the pressure of being a leader all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, so when I did class, I was actually going to Beverly Hills playhouse in San Francisco, um, and it was like my safe haven. It was where I got to be a student. I got to sit and watch my classmates. I got to play. I got to be characters. I got to be like pursuing my hustle. This was my side hustle of my side hustle. <laughs> so I was working full time. My side hustle was collab and that was volunteer. And then the side of that was like, I'm going to start acting. Um, and that was like a lifelong dream that I never had told anybody Um I told strangers before I ever told friends and family. And there was this one showcase that we did because you did scenes every, we were in class uh, once or twice a week and we'd rehearse our butts off to put up that one scene. You have to like, you know, deconstruct the character. You have to identify the scene. You have to like build a life that what was the moment before? Like, who are you? You have to do costumes. You have to do set, all of it. It's really fun process. And we had this showcase where we, uh, the people who ran the school, they organized an agency night. So this is like, they wanted to build working actors. We're like, great. We're not teaching you how to be a tree. We're teaching how to be like a character that can get paid to make a living as an actor. And that to me is kind of like crossing a threshold. Maybe like you, Brian, like how like you're stepping into your leader's shoes. I was stepping into like, oh my gosh, I'm actually chasing my dream. I'm actually going to try to make this real. I'm going to try to get an agent and that for me was like a huge mental barrier because a I kind of even framed it as like really selfish I was like well well, I can what if I become an actor and like went 50 steps too far but I really wanted to have something for myself and to prove to myself I could do it too so this agency thing like I almost wussed out you guys like I almost like faked being sick um I just didn't know how to show up and then and then perform because you're literally performing for this room of 20 something agents and managers hoping that they'll choose you. Right. And that they'll like say, hey, I'll represent you. Let's get you some auditions and let's get you some gigs. I didn't know how to like deal with the reality of that. And I almost bailed. Like yeah. I was just like, I'm gonna I hurt my foot <laughs> or something. <laughs> and um yeah, but that night I remember there's like multiple days where I was literally concocting all these ideas of like how to back out or say wow. like, Oh, I got called into work or I have to do something for collab. Um, but I had to sit on that too and I had to like take ownership of like Acting is something you invested time, energy, money into. Mm -hmm. You want to do it. Your dream is to be in, like, a movie or a show just because you want to be the Asian representation that you're advocating for on screen, right? Mm -hmm. Walk your talk, bro. Like, you can't—this is one of your big shots. You you will have another shot probably, but don't wuss out on this. I had to, like, literally pep talk myself, so— I ended up doing it and uh, we had actually done this scene before in class for like my classmates and I made my classmates cry. Like they cried when I did this scene and I was so scared I couldn't do it again in front of the people that quote unquote mattered, which is the agents. And I ended up uh, doing it and I didn't get an agent that night and it didn't really matter. Actually, I got an agent like a month later, but it was just showing up, you know what I mean? Like taking space for myself it was like a, it was, it was a very big internal hurdle. <laughs> um, so I just want to share that because on every level, whether it's like who you're showing up for yourself or your, for your community, um, for your family, for your friends, like those are real hurdles. Like those are challenges, you know?
2: Right. Right. Yeah. Dude. I love that. I love that. I love that. You're so strong, Minji. And I love the fact that you ended up doing it. And that's the important part, right? Because if you had never done it, you know, you'll never figure out what, what could have happened because of it. And it gets easier and easier from there on, right? And if if it doesn't get easier, that's okay. As long as you know, like what works for you and what doesn't.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love this. This is a love fest. <laughs> But you guys have, like, seriously, like, I, I really just want you guys to know I respect you guys so much, and I'm really excited for everything that's to come um, because what you're doing is building something very tangible and very real. Like, you can see it, you know? You guys are – can you talk, I don't want to make light of all these very deep things we talked about, but this is not small stuff. You guys are doing, like, a dating thing?
2: <laughs> what is, what is this? One-off. When we're doing, like, a one-off dating Zoom networking event for valentine's day so we had a lot of engagement we had like 300 people sign up and we were doing like one-on-one sessions um obviously we couldn't you know put them into rooms based on gender or
0: preference or preferences Uh
2: (laughs) so we had to like make sure people knew like just come with an open mind it could be like a potential bff or it could be a potential date or it could be a potential business partner. Yeah. Uh, but it seemed like we got a really good response from it. A lot of people actually came out. So we're going to try to do it a lot better next year and partner with like actual platforms that can actually do, do this.
0: Efficiently.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just because the range is like so wide, you know, like, and it yeah. we couldn't preference by like age too. So it, it, the reference or the, the the range was just so wide so we're just going to do it correctly next year so watch out for that
1: <laughs> that's so dope i love it i'm so i mean like we all work our butts off and we all want to like get our mba or you know get a million followers or like i don't know build a multi an international empire but all of us want to find love <laughs>
2: <laughs> true. we just facts. we just want love <laughs> at
1: the end of the day Exactly, I love it. Well, is there anything you guys wanna like share as we as we wrap up this amazing chat i I freaking love you guys, and um any any last words of wisdom or encouragement? everybody like we're starting off this year of the ox um with some heaviness. there's some real stuff we gotta tackle, but I believe we will. curious what you're. Your, for this episode because we got to talk about brian's past uh and uh yeah. maggie you and i can commiserate on mothers applying a lot of pressure oh, yeah. <laughs> um yeah
2: that's true. <laughs> very true um I last words um let's see i'm i mean i i'm just really excited for you know everything that's happened and is happening for asian hustle network you know we've Had the chance to communicate and connect with so many amazing entrepreneurs and that's how we connected with you minji as well and we did a podcast with you and we had the pleasure of just learning about you and your story and we just really want to amplify asian voices i think that we've lived so long just feeling like we don't have a voice and i think that goes back to like just generational limiting beliefs and our parents telling us that you know we need to stay quiet but i think we're finally realizing that we want to share our voices and we want to be heard and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that we should be really embracing our voices. Um, so we always want to tell people, like, if there's anything that you guys want to share with us or if there's like a story that we should really particularly learn about or an entrepreneur that we should learn about, like we welcome and open in an open arms to anyone who wants to just connect with us. Yeah.
0: yeah. And I do want to emphasize that, each and every one of us has, has a voice, and we also have the ability to make a difference, you know? You mm-hmm. can never underestimate how much can happen in one year, because when you think about it, a year and a half ago, two years ago, Maggie and I were virtually unknowns, you know? It's not like we had a previous upstart to our career in any way. <laughs> we're just relatively unknown. <laughs> in a year's time, like, you know, we, we have made our position known in the Asian community. We have tried to make our influence felt around the world, crazy around the world. So never underestimate your own ability. Never Mm -hmm. underestimate what you'd be able to accomplish in one year or two years or, or more, you know, don't underestimate yourself at all.
1: Absolutely. Amen. Both, both, both things you guys said. Love it. And also really like you guys, I mean, I we're already plugging it, but please go check out the Asian Hustle Network on Facebook. If you just need some like inspirational stories and Instagram, Um, some really fantastic stories of people starting over, you know, they're on their like second, third, fourth career. It's amazing. And, you know, everybody has their version of trials and tribulations, whether that's internal or an external force, whether we're talking about systemic racism or you're talking about a family member dying and you having to be there, you know, for your family to like help keep them afloat for a while. I mean, the world is endless in terms of its challenges. So I just really appreciate you guys highlighting these very real stories from like, you know, our neighbors and our, our friends and peers out there. Um, we can learn a lot from each other. And, get, and gain a lot of uh, motivation and inspiration. And th- that goes so far. Yeah.
0: So far. Thank you for having us on your show, Minji. Yeah,
1: thank you. Oh, thank you guys. Thank you for taking the time. It's, it's so fun talking with you. Do you guys want to plug websites, Instagrams? Like, how can people find you guys?
0: Sure. I think we are basically sold a soul, of soul <laughs> on uh, Clubhouse. So we have also a Clubhouse <laughs> room called Asian Hustle Network. Please check that out. And you know, we have our podcast, minji too on AsianHustleNetwork.com. Dope.
2: You can also find us on um, Instagram, YouTube, um, Twitter, and, yeah. I think that I think that's everything.
1: Very cool. Well, I definitely am going to be inviting you guys back because um, we have more to learn. We very much scratched the surface in terms of, like, what it means to be a hustler. I think it's a lot of just Asian-American identity uh and self-reflection here, which I freaking love. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely want to build on that. And I know you guys are learning a lot too, and I would love to learn from you. So definitely this is me closing this out by inviting you guys back again. <laughs>
2: definitely.
0: Love it. Thank you, Minji.
1: Thank you so Thank you. Everyone go check out their stuff and um, keep an eye out for more things coming from Asian Hustle Network and all the people involved. And yeah, that's it for this week's episode. Thank you, guys. Mm-hmm. I'll talk to you soon. You. On Clubhouse,
0: probably. Probably. Yes. Thank you. <laughs>
1: thanks for tuning in for this week's episode of first of all and thank you to brian and maggie for being such amazing guests i really appreciate you guys please go follow them and their work with asian hustle network um you do not have to be asian to go support and check out all the stories and resources that are available and uh yeah it's just it's a really welcoming vibe And a lot of really cool ways to learn. And speaking of learning, I did want to share resources given all of the the hate crimes and the anti-Asian violence that's been happening. And a lot of people being curious about where they can learn more, um, donate, contribute, and stand in allyship, which is amazing. So a few resources I wanted to share one uh, is Stop AAPI Hate. You can go to their Instagram. You can go to their website, stopaapihate.org. Um, you can report incidents there. You can find out more news and uh, ways that you can help. You can also go to Hate as a Virus, go to their Instagram, go to their website. Another org where uh, they are sharing resources is AAPI Women Lead. You can find them on Instagram. And Asian Americans Advancing Justice. Asian Americans Advancing Justice—they had some really dope resources, including workshops for people who are experiencing anti-Asian harassment, and then uh, bystander inven- intervention with another org called Hollaback, and resources for the Asian American community to combat anti-blackness. Because there, again, is a lot of complexity to the conversation that this is that we're diving into, and people want to be educated and understand—you know—all the layers and all the all the, the nuances of this conversation so we can build and stand in unity and not create more division and more anger and hostility. So yeah, please go check out those resources, get informed and do your part to contribute. And I do hope that you guys will stick around because at the end of this, uh, we will have music featured by Year of the Ox. And uh, it's their song Captain America, which was uh, released in 2020. It's incredible. And shout out to Rick. And Year of the Ox is just, they're, they're, they've they're been around for a while, but their music is so powerful. And uh, they have a new album that is coming out actually today, the day that this episode is being released on February 19th. And it's being released in parts, so please go follow them on Instagram and then go check out their music. Find them on Spotify and other music platforms. But, yeah, to close out this episode, I want to do a shout out to Marvin Urey, my audio engineer and producer. Thank you to Juliana Deer, who's on my marketing team. And thank you to my Patreon patrons. Y'all are the best. Thank you for keeping the microphone on. If you want to support the podcast and support me, you can go to slash first of all podcast. You can also go to my website, first of all and find all the different ways you can share love if you feel inspired to do so. Really, really appreciate it. You can follow me at first of all pod and at menjeezy on instagram and you can also email me at firstwellpod at gmail.com so keep in touch holler let me know if you have questions comments please subscribe and leave a five-star review if you enjoyed this it really helps me and uh helps other people find the podcast so yeah also i'm a member of the potluck podcast collective so remember to check them out and spread love you guys uh times are tough Life's crazy, but we got each other. Let's do this. I love you. Take care of yourselves and enjoy Captain America by Year of the Ox. Talk to you guys soon. Bye. They don't know how to act now, we talking to the masses, we've been on them like masks now, they want to see the crash now, they want to see all the bodies on display, we respawn and then respawn before the bodies all decay, a couple months into the lockdown, cabin fever is setting in, weary to let it cough out, cancel meetings and everything, can't believe what I've seen, I mean I really don't know what to feel like, what's the deal, shit's become so real that it's become surreal, but the sun is still shining on us, nature's taking course, ain't this.
0: Mm, but we're still here, and we're going strong. It's an exciting time in Asian America. There are more movies, TV shows, books, and music reflecting us than ever. But all of these represent just a small slice of Asian American culture and experiences. So what do we do? Tell more slices. Asian Americana is a show that explores these slices of distinctly Asian American culture and history. We've talked about how Chinese-Americans built California's Sacramento Delta, the art scene turns gallery institution giant robot, a play that explores the lost Cambodian pop music of the 60s and 70s, and, of course, FOBA, just to name a few stories. You can find Asian Americana at AsianAmericana.com or on your podcast app.